Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know that The Handlebar is a lovely craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, and they have an even lovelier happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., during which you get a dollar off all of their craft beers on draft. They have 28 of them. I'm not kidding. That's a real deal. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's four hours at The Handlebar. A dollar off any of their awesome draft beers. You can drink them inside, at the bar, at a table. You can drink them outside on their newly renovated gorgeous patio. It's lovely here in Chico right now. Johnny and I highly encourage you to check them out. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, south end of town, right next to Winco, right next to Best Buy. Again, that's the handlebar. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to the wet and wild world of Fresh Hop Cinema. I, we're a craft beer and movie radio show and podcast based in Chico, California, and I am Max Minardi. I am Johnny Summers. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. This week on the show, our review of Olivia Wilde's second feature film as director, Don't Worry Darling. It stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles as Alice and Jack, a couple living in a perfect little town called Victory in the 1950s. She spends her days tidying the house and preparing old fashions for her husband while he goes to work every day to work on the development of quote-unquote sustainable materials. Everything feels a bit too good to be true, and when Alice begins to have episodes of paranoia, we start to get the impression that there is more to this utopia than we were led to believe. That's right, and beers this week were given to us by friend of the show, Patreon supporter, Ken Neely. Shout out, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, dude. He brought us some beers from Arizona. The first is called Joe Max. It's from Ren House Brewing, not Hen House, Ren House, nice. uh, out of Phoenix, Arizona. It is an oatmeal stout at 6.9%, and the second one is called Picacho Pass out of Bone House Brewing from Fountain Hills, Arizona. It's an Imperial IPA that is 8% ABV. That's right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a splendid Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes our thoughts on uh, Joe Max and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Don't Worry Darling. But if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Don't Worry Darling, a second beer review, and Hot and Bothered, which is the portion of the podcast where we generally abandon formal structure and just talk about things that have us super stoked or kind of irritated, Johnny will tell you what to do. You can find this here podcast that's called Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Posts, or where Apple Posts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes release every Friday morning at 7 a.m. and have been doing so since 2016 uh, if you like the show go leave us a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts. let us know you did to hang out with us on social media search fresh hop cinema on the twitters the instagrams the letterbox the untapped or just head over to our website freshhopcinema.com it is uh almost our six-year anniversary my friend and so for for people in patreon um we're gonna do something i think I've had about 10 days in a row of performing. I had like 13 shows over nine days or something. So I've kind of been dropping the ball on this. I'm usually very sentimental about this sort of thing. Yeah, um, and I'm not. Right. So, so. It's, it falls to me most of the time to my, like do something. Yeah, my ball is still on the ground. Yeah. Um, no, your ball would still be in your... Is it on the ground or is it in your hand? Permanently dropped. You just have never picked it yeah. up? Okay, that makes I more dropped sense. it once in sure. my 20s and never picked it back up. <laughs> um, so anyways, we turn we turn six on the 28th, which is a couple days after this episode has been released. So check your Patreon feeds, check the Facebook group. Um, chances are we might have announced something, uh, even if that's just that me and Johnny went out for a drink and there's a picture of us. 
but I think we're going to try to do something more than that. Uh, let's hope. Um, it's also October just about by the time you're hearing this. So we are going to be doing something around the idea of German style beers for Patreon bonus content basically all month. Hell yeah. We haven't figured out the specifics yet. Doesn't matter. That's what makes it but fun. But that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the only, the only um, crowd interaction I need at this point is if there's like certain beers that you think we should try that are German, like classic German beers like we haven't ever talked about on the show or something. Um, I'm open to that kind of suggestion. If not, we'll just kind of figure it out along the way. Yeah, and I might pick a bunch and just like make you blind pick one every week. Sure. It'll be fun. Um, and now, not in the proper order. If you haven't heard of Patreon, all this stuff sounds great to you. Uh, it's a way to support our podcast uh, on an episodic basis for $1 to $10. And you get all sorts of fun stuff back from us, including uh, access to bonus content, like we just sort of hinted at, invites to events, some hypothetical, some real. And all sorts of fun stuff. So check it out on patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema if you are interested. We should start doing events in the metaverse. Sure. Uh, okay. Johnny Summers housekeeping done. Let's get into beers. Uh, one more time. Shout out. Thanks so much, Ken, for giving us beers this week. I'm super excited. Um, I guess disclaimer right away for most of our local listeners. You might not be able to get this at your local bottle shop, I would guess, because um, I've never seen this around before. Have you? No. Uh, these seem pretty exclusive to the Arizona region. Okay. Well, then tell me what it's called, where it's from, and then read me what Untapped had to say about beer number one. So the first beer, again, is called Joe Max. It is an oatmeal stout out of Wren House Brewing out of Phoenix, Arizona, 6.9% ABV. And from the interwebs, we read oatmeal stout made with naturally dried Ethiopian coffee beans that were locally roasted from pressed coffee nice. and blended with cold brewed coffee after fermentation, which is fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. The addition of whole bean coffee brings out a cherry-like fruitiness, which is balanced by the robust flavor of the cold brew coffee. So this is um, off script now. This, that was sure, that was, end quote. End, end quote. Uh, <laughs> This is going to be a, a wildly hop forward adventure. I mean, coffee forward. Yeah. Yep. Dude, I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make the case that we are drinking a cocktail, because again, I'm not I'm not gonna turn my nose up at anything. But I feel like if you just add coffee to already made beer, I don't know if it's fully quantifiable as beer at that point. That said, I'm a longtime proponent, both as a drinker and a maker of cold brew coffee. So I'm excited to try this. I realize you've had your first sip. Does the description ring true? Are there cherry notes? Uh, is it robust? Does it taste like coffee? Does it taste like beer? Somewhere in between. It definitely tastes like coffee. Um, it tastes like beer. Oh, man. That's, check and check. Yeah, Great, check done. and check. I'm just trying to figure out which one it tastes more like because, like, first sip, I was like, oh, wow, that's cold brew coffee. Mm -hmm. You're getting a big note of the Ethiopian beans right away. Very fruity, very almost jammy kind yes. of up front to, like, the middle of your tongue. Um Really noticeable Ethiopian. I'm wondering if they used Ethiopian coffee beans in their cold brew as well, which would be nice. I think that's what it means, right? The I, I guess. I guess. Yeah. The sentence you read was it kind of made it sound like it's the stout that's used coffee beans, but I feel like that's just a grammatical thing. Like I'm sure that the cold brew they added is what had the Ethiopian beans, right? Oatmeal stout made with naturally dried Ethiopian coffee beans. And yeah. blended with cold brew coffee after fermentation. It is a separate thing. Yeah. Interesting. Because it's a super fruity beer. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that on my first impression keyed me into the fact that it isn't cold brew, and this dissipated after a couple seconds, but is the, it's the carbonation. Mm -hmm. It's not wildly carbonated, but it doesn't drink like a heavy, heavy stout. Like you said, it's 6.9%. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I don't know, man. The thing about uh, a, a particularly cold brew being the preparation of coffee where it, it on purpose really dials back the bitterness mm -hmm. 
is that I think it starts to mask some of the roastier notes in a stout that I enjoy. So I'm getting what's, what's yeah, just almost too sweet for something that doesn't have the body to back up that kind of sweetness. Sweet and, and tangy. Mm-hmm. Like this is a coffee drinker's beer. Like sure. you really have to be on board for the Ethiopian coffee bean flavor profile because if you don't like, you know, flavor notes in your coffee like blackberry and jammy strawberries heart brightness and bright this is not going to be for you um a lot of people when they get to the tier of coffee where they start getting into single origin stuff will find that a lot you know you either really like ethiopian style like a lot of those type of beans or you don't and you want something more earthy and robust and roasty Mm -hmm. and not as bright and tangy. So I could see this beer being polarizing because a lot of people aren't that into the specifics of coffee and how different, you know, change the taste quite a bit. So if you went into this thinking, oh, this is a coffee stout, it's going to taste like whatever your idea of coffee is, Mm -hmm. good majority of people, that's not what this beer is going to line up with. True. I'd also make the distinction that in the same way people draw that line with coffee, they do the same thing with stouts. Mm -hmm. And on you know, with a market that is so diverse in the flavor spectrum of a stout, like you could get a really, really bitter, roasty, um, like, yeah, just bitter stout, like a, like a traditional, um, like a dark roaster. And yeah, like a really intense one, even one without coffee though. Or you could have like a dessert stout, a pastry stout, mm-hmm. and that skews way sweet as compared to a traditional stout, even a stout uh, of an imperial nature, like 10 or 11%. If it's meant to be a pastry stout, I mean, those are two way different things. And I think adding coffee in front of, you know, the description of stout here, I thought it was going to be a little bit more uh, help me kind of um, key in on what to expect, but it, it hasn't. I do enjoy it, though. We haven't even gotten to this part yet, but do you yeah. like it? I do, but also I like it more for its coffee qualities than its beer qualities. Yeah. Yeah. I would really, really want to know how much coffee went into this after the fermentation was done because it's it's very, very coffee forward. It's there, yeah. No, it's it's the fact that they actually put – cold brew coffee in after fermentation is wild. I don't I've know. never heard of that. I've never, I don't know if I've had a beer that's had actual cold, cold brew coffee introduced. So the next question, dude, is does this have caffeine? Is that what's going on? Like it's got to. Yeah. But I feel like four loco kind of put a, put a nip in that bud a while back when people died. From I that. remember hearing that coffee stouts are kind of a loophole. Really? Yeah. You think they might notate that on the can or something, but, uh, to my eyeballs, there's no such notification. No. There can't. Well, I mean, that makes sense. There has to be caffeine in it. They put if cold they brew. added cold brew after, which again, this was off untapped. Um, but usually untapped gets their stuff from well, sometimes from the website of yeah, the of the brewery. But most of the time, these breweries don't even have a website. Yeah. So I actually didn't look because um, I was just hoping we could go off the cuff. So all I, the only research I did was the untapped description. But I'd be willing to, if not bet, certainly hope that they would elaborate a little bit on the production of this beer because I believe it uh, deserves it. I agree. I'm going to check out their website. Let me see. All right. So anything jumping out at you that you can't live without, love, uh, hate, uh, in between, what do you think? I think it's too sweet. And I I almost exclusively, when I go buy coffee beans, I go Ethiopian all day. I love a bright, fruity cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. It's high roll. Um, But you know, Sort of a business and pleasure situation here, coffee and beer. I don't know that they should mix all the time. Um, and for whatever reason, when I drink coffee stouts, I do prefer something a little bit darker and a little bit more bitter that emphasizes more of those roasted chocolate notes and or either the baker's chocolate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to taste some of that malt, and I'm not really getting any of that here. 
Yeah, I think the the main problem with this is that it skews more towards coffee than beer, and you lose yeah. out like exactly what you said. You lose out on some of those those finer, more enjoyable, earthy notes from a stout. Yep. So, you know, maybe the double dose of coffee was too much. Uh, also, it's it's a bit thin. Yeah. Yeah. Body wise or flavor wise. Mm-hmm. Body wise. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but. As far as coffee stouts go, personally, I like the flavor. If it would have more, it had more body and a bit more mouthfeel, it would be something that rate I rate a little bit higher. But yeah. for me, it's it's good. It's not great. Okay, you finding anything on their website about the production of this beer at all? Uh, just got to their website because okay. it was down. But then I'm gonna give a quick description of the can in case anybody happens to see it around, or if you're listening from Phoenix or in the area, you're looking for a black and white can. There's a percolator coffee brewer on the front, and the can is divided. Um, into almost a yin-yang kind of color scheme where half of the pot is black, half is white, and then that color pattern ensues around the rest of the can. And in big, bold white letters on a black background, it says Joe Max, which do you want to take credit for thinking of that, Johnny? Sure. Great. Do you want to? Oh, it's like our names put together. Which I didn't realize. It's Johnny and Max, Joe Max. Great. Which makes me wish I liked it quite a bit more. But I don't hate it, so I'm fine. Not a peep on the website. All right. Well, we've learned very little. And said a lot. I feel like we've learned about ourselves. And at the end of the day, that's the most important. That is, at least to us. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's, do uh, you want to take one more drink or are you feeling like you're ready to give it a rating? So I'm going to have one more sip, which means I need to put a touch more in my glass. But what do you, where, where are you at with this thing? I love it for the coffee. Don't, not crazy about it for the beer. Um, feels like a 6.4. 6.4. Not, not a disrespectable rating. For me, it's a five right up the middle. There's good, there's bad, there's ugly. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's why we have windscreens on our microphones. Uh, so I'm okay. You got anything else you want to talk about with this beer? No, I think I'm there. I, I like I like their little logo. There's one thing I will say. Their little Wren. Yeah. It's pretty cute. I also like that you distinguish between this being Wren House and Hen House. Because yeah. a lot of people in our area are like, did you say Hen House? Yeah. No, sir or madam, we did not. Wren House. Wren House. Different bird. Correct. Okay. Well, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get the chance to try Joe Max, if you have a friend like Ken that brings it to you, or really any other beers from Ren House, W-R-E-N-H-O-U-S-E. That's our first house of the day. We're going to have a different spelling later in the show. Please let us know the easiest way to do that. Take a photo of yourself drinking it and tag us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. We like getting tagged in beer pictures, even if you're not drinking beers from the show. Sure. Just tag us yeah, so true. we can chime in. Mm-hmm. That's all. All right. So do you think we got this beer wrong? Think we got it right? Are you very familiar with it? Right. Uh, or do you have a beer or a brewery that you think we should review like Ken did? Well, guess what? It works. We did it. Uh, message us on Instagram or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com and let us know. And hey, if you like the show, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds, and it really helps other people find us. And who doesn't want that? All right. Up next, we have a trailer for Don't Worry, Darling. It's this week's movie, but do not worry, darlings. There's no spoilers in this first segment. I'm so sorry I forgot to tell you, but you're not feeling very well. And the only way to cure it is if we stay home all day, and I tend to you and kiss you and cook for... Bye. Security level, yellow. All residents safe and accounted for. Victory is safe and secure. Here you can live the life you deserve. We can all live the life... (laughs) 
Frank has built something truly special. What he's created out here, it's, it's a different way, a better way. Victory has things money can't buy. Mm-hmm. I live next door. You wouldn't believe the things I've heard. Jack and Alice only have time for each other. What is the enemy of progress? Chaos. Yeah. Ooh. Nasty word. Chaos. The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. I was here when you got here? Yeah, you're sleeping in the bedroom. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. It is a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. Uh, if you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you want to hear the whole thing, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get quality podcasts. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. sharp. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of me or Max, I guess, go right. have a listen. And what you just heard was a trailer for Don't Worry Darling. In the 1950s, Alice and Jack live in the idealized community of Victory, an experimental company town that houses the men who work on a top-secret project. While the husbands toil away, the wives get to enjoy the beauty, luxury, and debauchery of their seemingly perfect paradise. However, when cracks in her idyllic life begin to appear, exposing flashes of something sinister lurking below the surface, Alice can't help but question exactly what she's doing in Victory. Again, Don't Worry Darling was directed by Olivia Wilde. It's her second directorial film. We covered her first Booksmart back in 2019 that we both really, really liked. Uh, it was sort of a, a end of high school, sort of one crazy night comedy movie. Um, this film was written by Katie Silberman based on a story by Carrie and Shane Van Dyke. And it had a cinematographer named Matthew Libatique, who um, has a pretty pretty wide uh, swath of types of movies he's done. He's done, he did Birds of Prey, the most recent uh, A Star is Born. Worked a lot with Darren Aronofsky. He did Mother and Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. And he was also the DP on Straight Outta Compton. Uh, Dear Darling, uh, Don't Worry Darling, sorry, came to the Venice Film Festival uh, September 2nd. Got wide release on the 23rd. Runs just a couple minutes over two hours. And like I suggested earlier, it stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, also Chris Pine, Olivia Wilde. Um, those are kind of the main players, but you also have Gemma Chan, Kiki Lane, Nick Kroll, Timothy Simmons, and Katie or Kate Berlant. Uh, and, and despite those last few names, um, this is not necessarily a, a funny movie. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to define it at all, but I will say it's a psychological thriller. Can we start there without giving too much away? Sure. Okay. Um, I was stoked to see this dude. I've been looking forward to it a lot. You, I believe, were apprehensive. Mm -hmm. um, it's gotten not a ton of great press. It's it's kind of uh, actually more so than even bad reviews. There's been a lot of sort of uh, negativity around how the movie was made and, and kind of what happened on set. And we can maybe get into that if we want. Mm -hmm. um, but let's let's first just talk about it. Let's give me your give me your sort of first thoughts and then maybe a rating. <clears throat> well, I really didn't like this movie. Okay, I'm gonna put that out let's there get going. right now. Uh, I think this was a poorly written attempt at something that could have been at least engaging and interesting if it had any uh, legs of its own to stand on. But I feel that it was very derivative of sure. a few movies, which I will get into. Because you can't really. In the danger Yeah, talk zone. about it now. Yeah. Um, 
I think this was a Herculean effort by Florence Pugh that despite her best efforts and she did some really good acting in this as Florence Pugh does, uh, she could not save this movie. I think the uh, most of the dialogue that was not hers was just flat and disengaging. And I thought Chris Pine's character was completely just inappropriate. Oh, obviously inappropriate. Well, like the way it was written inappropriate for the movie, not inappropriate, like offensive, but yes, very mustache twirly. And like just speaking in such broad generalities, like Mm -hmm. you can be mustache twirly, but like not give away anything. It's very like, why do I care? What's the what's the what's the pull here? So for for the for the context, Chris Pine plays kind of the the head of this company. He's the mm-hmm. one that has um, sort of established this town and and has brought everyone in and, and is is very um who's like a real life person you could compare him to? Like not not quite Elon Musk, not quite David Koresh. Who's that? The leader of the Branch Davidians, the cult from Waco. Yeah, there's some culty stuff mm-hmm. for sure, um, but also like a very like clean cut, charismatic. I guess that's often with cult leaders. Mm-hmm. They're very charismatic. Um, okay, that's what that's his role in the movie. Yeah. Okay. So overall, this movie was pretty disappointing, uh, with the exception of Florence Pugh, and I will go into much greater detail later. For me, this is uh, 3.2. Pretty low. Yeah. Uh, drop that in the notes. I I really wanted to like this man, and I didn't quite. I had a. I think there's a distinction. Like, is it a? I want to start asking this in the show. Like, was it good? And did you have a good time? And for me, I had a good time with this movie. I had a good time going to the theater watching it. I didn't get overly bored or anything. I even was on board with some of the lines you're talking about. Like they, upon some reflection were kind of hand fisted and like, you know, whatever. But I had a fun time watching the movie. That said, no, I don't, I don't think it's very good uh, for a lot of the reasons you're hinting at. And this is a tough one to talk about specifics without spoiling anything, because I think, um, not that you need to rush to the theater to see it, but if you do, it might be more rewarding to not know too much. 100%. Better to go in blind if you're really invested. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I think the initial part of the the review is going to be quite truncated. But sure. the, the danger zone is going to be a bit longer for yeah, this maybe. one. Yeah, um, maybe. I really like Florence Pugh in this also. Mm-hmm. She's she's almost always great. Yeah. Um, I even, like, I like how hard Harry Styles went in this movie. Like, I did not. He's not a good, he's not good. Like, this, the character that he plays is this devoted working husband. And you also have to really buy he and Florence Pugh's, Jack and um, Alice together F- from, of course, a marriage standpoint, but even like a physical sexual yeah. chemistry standpoint. And that doesn't quite work. There's some steamy scenes that we get. And um, they tried to make this movie so horny. It was, it was an attempt. And I think this movie does try to, to force some commentary about a lot of stuff. Like there's, there's stuff about, it's a very, it's a very modern movie in a sense the, or structured around like a very old fashioned idea that isn't necessarily actually saying anything new. Right. So it tries to like, you know, talk about women's role in, in the home and like the patriarchy and, and the structure of our, our culture in general. Um, but it, it introduces some ideas that kind of don't go anywhere. Um, and, and even the ones that do aren't really breaking any new ground. So what it comes down to for me, the enjoyment part of this, even after reflecting and, and not enjoying some of the stuff that I enjoyed while I was sitting there, like really kind of soaking it in. I think Florence Pugh was great. I think the production design, awesome. It looks great. It was nice to look at. Um, How the, did the sound design work for you? It got it got tedious. It was annoying. It's, it's right up there with the motifs. Like there's some interesting visual stuff that happens. Like um, It was interesting the first time it happened. Totally. That was Even my the thing. second for me. And yep. then it keeps happening. And the same is true with the sound design. And I think a great counterpoint is, is Alex Garland's Men, mm-hmm. which has these sonic and, and, and musical motifs that happen throughout the film that are bone chilling. Mm-hmm. And 
every God, I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> it's so creepy. I don't like. I don't love it the way you do, but I do appreciate it. It's my lighthouse. Yeah, fair enough. This just doesn't. It doesn't. It. She's <sighs> Olivia Wilde. Um, I don't know. I was thinking about. I, don't, I was trying to think about why I enjoyed Booksmart so much and why I didn't like this. And it's. I think it's the stakes of the themes that each movie is trying to present. Booksmart knew that it wasn't necessarily doing anything new. Right, like yeah, it was it's an just homage to the teen drama, totally. Almost. Yeah, it, with a modern twist because yeah. it's millennials or or whatever came after. I don't, I'm not up to speed. Gen something, Gen Z. Yeah, um, and that was fine because that story is to some extent uh, immortal. That works for basically any age range, and as long as you put like a new topical technological twist on it for whatever time period we're in, people keep coming. It's great. Age. This one, not so much, but again, like it looked great. The DP again is no slouch. It, it's um. He's worked on a lot of stuff. I think Florence Pugh does a good job. I think conceptually, at its most, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna work really hard here. <laughs> at its most fundamental level, if if you take away some of the cultural commentary, there's a couple central ideas that it's left with, which I will grant you are very derivative. But I enjoyed the way that the angle they came at it. I don't think it was executed particularly well by the end, but in theory, I'm really intrigued by that sort of thing. So like this would have been better if it was made in a different way. Like different. What's the? They just had to stick the landing. Yeah, yeah. Or 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 dilute. But did it a they little stick more. the beginning in the middle? I like the beginning. What the middle the... was rough. Okay, it so... was long. It was too long. This movie was. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't say that very often. Right? You don't. Um, I was checking my phone to see what time it was an hour in. I also didn't know how long it was, and it's mm. again, it's like two hours and two minutes. So it's not or two hours and three minutes. And on paper, that's not that. It's not long. that long. It's long though. You know, it's not a short movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, you kind of lose some momentum in the second act for sure. There's a lot of, um, we, we get into, we spend a lot of time questioning the, the psychological background of Alice. And that's kind of where we spend most of our time in this film and Florence Pugh sells it most of the time, mm -hmm. but there is a lot of kind of plodding along that I don't think needs to be there. Um, I don't, yeah, it doesn't stick the landing by the end at all. I don't think. I don't. Yeah. And so it, did it stick the middle? No, but I get like conceptually and from a set design perspective and Florence Pugh as an actress, I think there were some good qual like these this is a like a really great list of people in this movie too. That none of them were outstanding. No, though. and nobody was given like Gemma Chan was great in this too, but she does some stuff in this movie that doesn't make any sense. Um it's just is there's a lot. I'm gonna go ahead and say you like Florence Pugh yep. and the idea of this movie. And the set design. And the set yeah, design. Yeah, that's what I've said. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Um I don't know. It was a fun time in the theater, I guess, but it, it got, you know, I wasn't ever bored. I wasn't bored like you. So I had a terrible time in theater too. I had talkers. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something, mm -hmm, but then it was spoilery. No. Oh, to the people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the, the young lady that was talking mm -hmm. was 100 years old. Why do you say that? She was like 100 years old. Why did you say the young lady? I was just oh, being okay. polite. Uh, she <laughs> Do you know what's crazy too is that like that woman probably walked into this theater because of the production design and thought it looked like a nice movie. Probably. But like if you've seen the trailer, you yeah. can tell something's a little creepy in this. But if She was completely engaged on a vocal level yeah. with every scene. That's a bummer. Yeah. But but you know, it's like looked. I looked over at her and I said, this might be your last movie. Maybe. Like That's enjoy true, it. Yeah, I, mean, enjoy I, can't, it. I can't say anything. Like, yeah. you're, Did you, it seem like she enjoyed it? She was by fully way, engaged. By the end, like, yeah. could you tell? Yeah, she was there with maybe her like 65-year-old daughter, and yeah, they were sure. fully um, discussing the plot yeah. the whole time. My last thing is, um, in, in addition, this is, a, this is a dislike for me, in addition to the thematic inconsistencies and lack of payoffs, 
I also thought there was a bit of confusion, certainly in the tone of the movie, but but even in the genre a little bit, because the trailer really hits you with like the creep factor and and like the spooky and like the psychological twists and turns. And I wanted more, I wanted more like Black Swan stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be, or even there's a or shot. Or Black Mirror. Or Black Mirror, sure. Yeah. Or uh, or um, like Last Night in Soho, there's, speaking of mirrors, mm-hmm. there's some great, there's a great motif involved yeah. with like glass panes and mirrors and like yeah. these these invisible or at least transparent borders. I think everything quote unquote creepy in this movie was revealed in the trailer. I think so too. And even that stuff then put into the context of the film wasn't all that creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're basically left without any of that, any of that adrenaline that is inherent in that type of world building. Yeah. And you're left with just the just the subject matter, mm-hmm. which again, didn't work for me. Yep. I think for a lot of people. Agreed. Max, right. out of 10. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like a, like a five. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a five because it was all right, and I think Florence Pugh did a good job for all the reasons I just said. It feels a little generous, and I don't know that that's gonna be a rating I feel ages well. In like a few months, I might look back and be like, I might have been a mistake. That's not aging well right now in this humble review. I'm, let opinion. me. I'm just trying to sit with it. Like we can give a, a Florence Pugh a separate rating. That's here. true. I, yeah, it's not a good movie or whatever. So yeah, I guess you're right. Like yeah, I, maybe it's a four. I think it's a four. I, st- I feel okay with the four. Four feels good. All right. Do you have anything else on this, dude? I have lots more, but we can't talk about it without spoiling it. So I love that you've been saying that without spoiling it. Yep. All right. Well, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, Don't Worry Darling, if you are so inclined, is currently in a theater near you. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, which you probably will, you can reach us on Instagram, again, at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can send a well-worded email to fhccast at gmail.com. To our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Don't Worry Darling, a review of that second beer and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. This is a portion of now the exclusively the podcast where we spoil the movie. So if you haven't seen, don't worry, darling, and you'd like to go see it, you can pause this podcast. You can come back and finish the conversation. And if you don't care about spoilers, good, because we're getting into them. So... Um, now we can talk about things a little bit more broadly, uh, especially in terms of what worked and what didn't. Mm -hmm. I want to start with how I liked the concept. I love black mirror Mm -hmm. and this is kind of like a black mirror concept. Sure. Um, it's high level psychological fiction. Yeah. The big, the big thing that we need to know to discuss this movie without sort of just step by step unpacking the plot is that basically Harry Styles and Florence Pugh are in fact living in modern day. So it's like 2022 for all we know. She was a nurse. They have sort of a troubled relationship and he kind of uh, kidnaps her. She was a doctor. Let's give credit. Sure, she's a doctor. Sure. Um, Very like 30 hour work week, I think she said. Mm -hmm. Or no, not even a work week. I worked 30 hours straight. Yeah. That's what she said. 30 hour shift. Yeah. Um, Whatever. He's he's like kind of like an incel computer guy. Mm -hmm. He just sits at home and like he listens to like very fringe podcasts and uh, asks what's for dinner because I didn't eat because I was on the computer. Whatever. He kidnaps her, kind of drugs her, signs up for this program where Clockwork Orange style pins her eyes open and they lay on a bed and then they get teleported into a simulation. The Matrix. Yeah. They're in the Matrix. And in the Matrix is is Victory, this town where she stays at home and gets to be a housewife and he goes to work every day to work on 
whatever, sustainable, I can't remember what they said. Uh, materials. Whatever, materials. Um, and that's kind of the situation that we find out has happened. Yeah. And that's okay. obviously like a third act reveal. Totally. That's the big twist. Yeah. The big um, Shyamalama ding dong twist. Totally. Yeah. We can talk, let's, let's mention a couple of the movies you and I have talked about. Like this owes a lot and doesn't have a lot of its own to offer. So what, what is it ripping from basically? So yeah, for me, the first thing that came to mind was The Village. Yeah. The M. Night Shyamalan film. That one didn't occur to me. Joaquin yes. Phoenix, mm -hmm. which was just kind of a different time period where the cult kind of has people trapped in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very similar plot structure, very similar twist. Also the Matrix, being trapped in a simulation, being awoken. Yep. It was yep. just kind of a combination of those two movies. And then you brought up a couple of good ones. Also Vivarium, just because that was vaguely kind of um dystopian it Vivarium was was weird yeah like <laughs> so you're, was, you're living um, in a simulation that type was things yeah it was 2019 um what's the kid's name jesse eisenberg yeah and imogen poots who mm -hmm. you think has the cutest name in hollywood 100 she um, does a very weird yeah film by lorcan finnegan like but it was just them and it was more like i think abstract and metaphorical than anything yeah um yeah no, but definitely the two that you mentioned, which were uh, Stepford Wives yeah. and Truman Show. And the Show. Truman Show, it has, it has very intense Truman Show vibes. Mm -hmm. um, just the idealistic community and like, I wasn't sure what was happening. Because like I said earlier, it's clear that something's not right here. Yeah. And but, that's just from the trailer. I almost wish they wouldn't have played it like that. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. Because the whole movie is about waiting for the other shoe to drop. And totally. when it does, it has to be worthwhile it has to be worth the wait and it has to bring resolution or add more conflict yeah. and then there has to be resolution it's just poor plot planning the way that yes. they, this movie played out yeah um it was and a tongue twister it was nice um and then yeah of course the, the stepford wives um which is another thing about like like a community that isn't what it seems and mm -hmm. it's it's basically fabricated for a at in that movie and in this movie sort of delineated down the lines of of gender identity right so it's like men in, 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 don't worry, darling, it's men in 2022, presumably creating a world where they can literally trap their wives and, and, and have them be sort of the, whatever ideal version, um, which is, is sort of a sinister idea. Mm -hmm. That's pretty great. But the, the problem that starts to happen, even before we get to the execution of all this stuff is like the world that is created is for these guys. Right. But then there's all this stuff about like sexual sexuality as it pertains to feminism and like the sex scenes, I think we should talk about like they're very one-sided skewing towards female pleasure, mm -hmm. which I just don't buy from this, these men. I was going to say that was like a choice they obviously tried to make, but like, is that believable? Like, yeah, I, I guess I, I needed more understanding of the motivation of so particularly the Chris Pine character. And we don't get a lot from him. We don't get anything. Which is okay too, I guess. I don't like in a different movie, I might not have needed it. But I started struggling with a real lack of motivation from anybody. Yeah. Except Florence Pugh, obviously, whose only motivation and the most relatable motivation and the lowest common denominator in a movie like this is like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I was almost I just freaked out. I was like, oh my god, can we swear right now? Right. I forgot we were in danger. <laughs> um yeah, that makes sense. That's an easy, that's an easy formula. It happens in a lot of horror movies, it happens in a lot of psychological thriller yeah. movies. Um, but one of the big problems is you didn't get any motivation for anyone else to be doing anything else they're doing the entire yeah. time. Yeah. There's the scene. So Chris Pine's character gets murdered by his wife, played by Gemma Chan, who stabs him. Yeah. in like the last like three minutes of the movie. Which surprised me. Yeah. Um, I had don't. kind of an inkling. Why? Um, at the dinner table when she had that little brief monologue and spoke to Florence Pugh that way. Mm, yes. Um, 
in my head, I'm like, she might be running this whole thing. Yeah, but was there any actual evidence? Or are you just kind of well, like, maybe? The, she was the one alive at the end. Yeah, but I think that was more of a narrative thing. Than like, like, there's no real reason to suggest that what woman would have killed her. She husband. was the only one with any depth of thought or anything that actually had like motivation. Olivia Wilde with her well, dead kids. Out of her and Chris Pine. Oh, sure. Uh, the quote unquote leaders of mm-hmm. this this cult like scenario. So, um, I was kind of surmising that maybe she was kind of a mastermind, and Chris Pine was the one that she had kidnapped and plugged in and was living or you no know, you know what I'm i saying? mean that would be fun but like there's no reason like if she hadn't killed him would you have come to that conclusion no no like she, i know she's but killed I him think, out of the blue but i think doing that and then she said it's my turn like to lead i just thought that was a dumb line like i thought they just wanted a moment for like us to all be like yeah bad well, guy dead maybe she, he's been like the puppet dictator this whole time but, uh, maybe but i, I mean no I'm, i think that i also might be giving more credence to the plot development and writing than is necessary uh, yeah i mean you're just, i think you're just writing your own thing at this point like i don't think yeah there were so many holes i had to start filling them yeah. in with my imagination so it becomes clear like like once we find out that harry styles like that jack has has trapped alice here he's clearly the bad guy well, at least one of many yeah but i'm um, sorry no you're i right. have a question yeah did that twist come too late in the movie for you what do you mean too late? Like, I mean too late in the movie. Him being a bad guy or the twi- or, or the fact that she's in the simulation? Both. Because we kind of that kind of happens within 15 minutes. Yeah, it's the same sort it of It was a very, thing. yeah. Like, did that twist have enough room to breathe post-twist to the end of the movie? I don't know. Um, Would you like to have seen it sooner? Like, I like that twist. Can I say that? I think that's really? a, Like, a lot of people don't. They think it's a cop-out. It's like Lost. Spoiler alert for the TV show Lost. Right? It's all like, have you seen Lost? Don't care. Okay. Like, it's all purgatory. And the directors said from, like, the get-go that it wasn't going to be a dream or purgatory. And this feels a lot like a dream cop-out. Like, oh, that's just all a simulation. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I don't mind that. I think that's the way we're headed. I think, like, metaverse shit, virtual reality, I think it's all very scary, very real. This could totally happen. Sure. Um, what I took issue with was once that was revealed, we t- it turned into sort of a generic chase movie. Yeah. Yeah, this movie lacked depth. Yeah, I don't think that chase was particularly great. Those oh, cars were super cool. The cars cool. were great. Production design, yeah. this movie has it for days. Cars were red. Um, there's a lot of stuff I didn't understand. Like, uh, so for one, like the, like the hollow eggs, wh- why? Yeah. If it's a simulation designed to keep w- people here, to be believable, why, why were the eggs like that? Why did the mirror thing happen when she was in the bathroom? She goes underwater, but the mirror reflection doesn't move. Like, is it a glitch? Yeah. The thing, and if so, like, why did because 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 she didn't see it, so it doesn't affect the narrative. We see it, but who cares? Yeah, like, what was that? And what's the the you know the walls closing in around her, smushing her? I get it, I get the metaphor, but like, why was it actually happening? Was she going crazy? I'm not clear on what the movie wants us to think about her sanity at this point. Yeah, I mean, I took that as they're in a program, right? Programs have programmers, just yeah. like any video game or anything. Sure. So, like, think. Of like an open world RPG like Skyrim, for example. Okay. The only thing that's being rendered at any given time in this open world is what you can see on the screen. So in a world that's, yeah. you know, a metaverse type situation, uh, they can only keep up with their refresh rate and like the programming, the rendering, that's what I'm looking for, that is in their their, their line of sight. And like, I was thinking about that the whole time because mm-hmm. that's why there's an edge. It's like an open world RPG. There's an sure. edge yeah. to their map. Yeah. You go to the edge, the game resets. I get that. So there was a lot of parallels with that. And I was wondering about the programmers in that how much does like the Chris Pine, like overlord cult leader character 
control that because once there was like clearly dissent from Florence Pugh's character, they like upped the gaslighting. So yeah. like, could the programmers be fucking with her and like smooshing the walls together and making her see things like, because if she's in this world uh-huh. and then it's fighting with her own memories of her real existence. So her brain's got this wedge tug of war thing going on. Yeah. But then how much of that could have been the influence of the program? And like, mm-hmm. if there's a directive to, yeah, because the gaslighting was like, obvious. I don't think the movie's that smart, man. Well, it had to be happening for a reason. And I, I'm not sure that it did. Well, it should be. Of course, it should be. There should be ends. I'm looking for meaning where there might not be any. If there's loose ends, they should be tied up. I agree. My issue with this movie is a lot of these yeah. are not tied up. And I'm not willing to 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 stick my neck out to say, well, maybe this is what they meant. Right. Prove it or yeah. no. No, because in my head, I'm like, it, they made a point to show how many eggs she cooked every morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, did they only render two eggs? Totally. Because I think you're putting some like like late 2000s technological limitations on something that is clearly a little bit more advanced than like open world Skyrim. Sure. I don't know. But you'd think that like that's the whole goal of this place is to like make them believe it's real. Mm-hmm. And that's which leads me to this whole conversation with Chris Pine and Florence Pugh where he's like, I've been waiting for someone to challenge me. Why, dude? Yeah. And then the moments she does like you're you didn't have a backup plan. Like I thought for a minute, like, oh, is he a smart villain? Right. I wanted that to develop and it it didn't. Yeah. And what is what is the ends to his villainy? Like he's know. a villain without a cause. And that's the other thing. Like he of course he doesn't think he's a villain, but he plays like he clearly thinks this is a good thing. This is the well, way of the future. He is aware of women being held in this simulation against their will. But he doesn't think that's bad, I don't think. No, I'm saying exactly. He doesn't see himself right. a villain. He sees himself as the utopian ringleader type right. character. But he kind of acts like a villain. Yeah. Like like he behaves as if, at times, as if he knows he's a bad guy. Right. Like that scene in the kitchen where he's like intentionally being creepy mm-hmm. and like, well, that's I, villain behavior. They've got protocols in place for these women that fight back and become aware, like all the dudes in the red jumpsuits, mm-hmm. like they're there for that. Yeah. So if anything, he's like, she's like the hacker you hire to see if your security's tight. Totally. Enough. I also didn't love the- God, um, am I reading way too much into this movie? Because <laughs> I was wanting it to be there. Well, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with reading into it. I just think you can't complete the sentences that it didn't finish. That's fair. Or you read some, all you want, man. Sometimes didn't even start. Totally. Um, what was I going to say? I have, I think, lost it. Hang on. I'll think of it at some point. Oh, another movie, and this is one that Olivia Wilde herself compared or, or said that she drew inspiration from was Inception, which I think is um, a tall order. But I yeah. do like I do understand the premise of waking up in a dream, and it doesn't occur to you that you don't remember how you got there until somebody brings it up. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that happens in Inception quite a bit. Add that movie. It's very good. You don't like it? I didn't like it. You didn't, all right, that's whatever. Different, different discussion. Messed with my head, man. Well, yeah, it's freaking me out. Did you ever see Interstellar? No, well, snappy in half. Yeah, man. I didn't like it. Uh, didn't like that. Hated Shutter Island. Different director, but I can see the because Leo. I understand the comparison, but uh, I think people often think that Nolan and um, uh, oh, here I go trying to sound all smart. Now I can't remember who did Shutter Island. Uh, you know. Uh, I'll think of it in two seconds. When I don't remember. I'll tell you. Now, I wasn't thinking it because of the same director mistake there. It was just that like, yeah, they fuck with people's heads. Oh, sure. It's very like, Shut- deep. Shutter Island is a great example of a psychological thriller done well. Yeah. Knew exactly so what So well, it was. I hated it. I don't get that. Um, anyways. Oh, no. I lost it again. Uh, um, oh, right. Dreams, Inception. Like, yeah. Something more needs to happen when at the dinner table, Florence Pugh starts pointing out like, oh, you met on a train in Boston. You dropped your ticket. You bent out to pick it up. Like like cylinders should be firing. All these people like, wait a minute. How did we meet? Where were we before this? That's how this thing goes. Yeah. How humans would think about it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that was a pretty big missed opportunity or not a missed opportunity, but a, a glaring plot hole. Like you can't just, people can't just be okay with this and they get mad at her. Yeah. Unless it's commentary, but it's not new commentary. And it's not particularly well done on how like women are silenced by men being, being like, don't get hysterical. But like, you can't be like, don't get hysterical when she's pointing out some cut and dry facts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That yeah. And that me. happened repeatedly. Yes, it did. Um, this whole first act too, I was, I was really kind of assuming mind control drugs of some sort would come into play. Mm-hmm. Like, with the Chris Pine character being so vaguely cult leader, yeah, it's like there's got to be more to this. And then, especially with the era they were going off of, yes. it's like pre Manson, yes, you know. So it's like, hey, what's going on here? But it never followed through with that. I was, I, yeah, surprised. I'm always curious to see. To I wish you would have talked to your hundred old, hundred year old friend in the movies to be like, hey, was the fifties like this? Like, did it look this polished and nice and great? Because I got an inkling it didn't. Right, but. That's how, like, that's what I would, if I were to design a video game simulation of the 50s, like, that's, you bet, that's what I would mm-hmm. do. Sure. But like, anybody that was alive then would be like, no, like, it wasn't that clean and whatever. By the way, as Martin Scorsese, they did Shutter Island. Mm. I don't know why they didn't come to me. Mm. Um, so, I don't, yeah, like, I, I, I this movie could have gone a bunch of different directions, but I think it went all of them a little bit and pulled itself apart in a number of ways. Yeah. It was a bummer. Also, last thing for me. Sure. Dude, that Harry Styles kid, I really didn't know pretty much who he was. Before Did you know the, that he was a singer? Yeah. Okay. And he was like a really famous singer. He yeah. does the watermelon. Yeah. Sugar. And I think before that he was in One Direction. What's that? It's a band. It's like a, a boy band from like the uh, mid 2000s. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, One Direction is one of the reasons that that song Teenage Dirtbag came back around. They got it licensed to uh, take on tour for a while. So like a whole new generation learned that song by Weedus. And now it's coming around again because of TikTok. I love that Love song. that song. It's a great <laughs> it's song. so good. Uh, well, so does Harry Styles. So you guys have something in common. All right. I think it's One Direction that he's in. Let me double check. Um, that's cool. So he's super famous. I, I super knew famous. that much, but he was also in Dunkirk. If I'm not mistaken, he had a small part in Dunkirk. Okay, uh, but I don't know that he even spoke much. This is like his first major film. Yeah, role. he was either not acting very much or acting all the way. Like he, yeah. his acting was just so on the extreme ends of the spectrum. It was. It was distracting. Yeah, man. As I think it's what I was kind of going to get at earlier, but I couldn't keep talking about it. Was that he's probably miscast a little bit here again. He's not got a ton of experience in this character, his, his character, Jack, like you, you, you kind of have to root for not only you have to buy their chemistry as lovers and a married couple, like you have to believe that he's a good dude. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. why is she putting up with living in this super fucking weird situation? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't quite sell that either. And there's not really enough breath or air given to them to breathe as a couple. And he just, in the real world or uh, in the simulation in both actually, but at first in the simulation. Yeah. Um, and so you're just like, why, why Florence Pugh's a, 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 or Alice really is like seemingly pretty capable mm-hmm. even before we learn that she's a doctor in the real world. Like, why is she dealing with this? Yeah. She seems happy enough, but like, that's the main question like, why is she putting up with this? And, and then what the, we're supposed to think is like, oh, well, cause she's in love and it's her and Jack. And the, if you don't buy that, which I didn't, and I think a lot of people don't. It's like, I don't know, why is she doing this? I think the whole movie kind of falls apart right from the get-go totally. because of that to some extent. You have to have believable motivations. Yeah. 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 And also, real world him that has her trapped in the simulation. Yeah. Way worse. Man. Just, like, why is she even giving this dude the time of day? Well, there's those flashbacks where they're on the bed and like he's all cute. Like it's clear they've kind of come into a hard time and like he yeah. lost his job, but he's got terrible facial hair in this. And hair. And hair. It's not very greasy looking. Very stringy. They did a good job making him look kind of um a dungeony and kind of creepy yeah. computer looking guy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tough look, tough, tough movie this week. Yeah. But I get it. I have fun watching it. So whatever. Uh, do you have anything else on don't worry, darling? 
made me think of the Run the Jewels song, uh, Don't Worry My Darling. I don't know and that I song. I listened to that like 15 times last night. Sweet. Like on Better than the movie. Yep. Great. Fuck yeah. Uh, okay. Well, once again, if you guys see Don't Worry Darling, we'd like to hear what you thought. Maybe maybe you think like I do. Maybe you loved it. You know? I came out of the theater really liking it. <laughs> the more I thought about it, I was like, I think it doesn't work. But whatever. Whatever you think about it, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Johnny, are you ready for beer number two? Yeah, yeah. All right, beer number two is on the proverbial, um, not proverbial, just the desk. I was going <laughs> to, what else do you put beer? Like, what could beer possibly go on? Uh, pedestal. Yeah, the proverbial pedestal. The proverbial, proverbial, <laughs> it's the perverted pedestal of beer judgment. There are, it's on the, the stage, the perverted pedestal the stage. The perverted pedestal of stage. Yeah. Uh, uh, good Lord. Okay. Pika Pika. Yeah, Picacho Pass or Picacho Pass. Or Pikachu. Or Pikachu Pass. Um, this is a second brewery for the day. We haven't, we don't do this all that often, but again, these were gifts from Ken. So one final shout out is in order to friend and patron of the show, Ken Neely. Shout out my guy. This is a, an Imperial IPA. It's 8% and from untapped, they said this, it's a West coast IPA featuring brew hyphen one, B-R-U hyphen one, Citra and El Dorado hops, Bonehouse Brewing, B-O-N-E, of course, H-A-U-S as promised an alternate spelling of house. Now I'm looking at this pretty sweet can that I bet Johnny really likes. It's um, love it. I bet you this is a reference to some battle. This looks there are skeletons on at least one on a horse holding a Civil War almost era musket with a bayonet on the end, mm-hmm. giving a rousing speech to a bunch of other skeletons, um, looking like they're going to march to their death, uh, presumably on Picacho or Picacho Pass. And actually, if I used part of my brain and turned the can a little bit more, I can tell you some more about this. They say this, the battle of Picacho Pass was the westernmost battle of the American Civil War, look at me go, just by looking at the gun, with numerous fatalities. Uh, I heard, I heard, yeah, I guess, I don't know who's speaking right now. I heard that a man named Pauline Weaver, a famous scout and prospector, was with Union troops looking for Confederate forces in the area. And a Sayer's assistant, can you look that up? A-S-S-A-Y-E-R. And a Sayer's assistant also told me that there was a hidden mine within sight of Weaver's Needle within the mountain range east of Phoenix. I heard, not yet, damn it. I heard that Mr. Weaver had passed, but if I find his family, perhaps there are clues to this hidden mine near the landmark that bears his name. I'm sorry for how slow I'm reading. It's really tough to read this. It feels like a long shot, but I must exhaust all possibilities since he was a prospector himself. There may be some clues to find my my Uncle Jacob's mine, and that is from the journal of Hans von Biermann, <laughs> B-I-E-R, Biermann. Han, Hans von Biermann? That sounds fake, man. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a thing right underneath that that says, find the hidden number 13 in all of our label art, which you and I can do, obviously, not now. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do that. That's good radio right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so an assayer is a person or a company that tests metal oh. to find out how pure it is. All right. Also, yeah, the Battle of Pacheco Pikachu Pass. Pass. Pikachu Pass. That feels just that feels like irreverent. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Pacheco. Pacacho. Good lord. Pacacho. 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 It's actually tough. The more semantic satiation is real. The more you say it, it's like getting harder and harder. Pacacho. P a c h a p a c a c h o p i c a c h o. Did I say p a? Yeah. Good lord. 
just cut all this out. All right, anyways, the Battle of Picacho Pass, sure. uh, also known as the Battle of Picacho Peach. Uh, it was the West, did you say the Westernmost? I think so, yeah. The that's, Western, that's, it's, yeah, the Westernmost Battle of the American Civil War with numerous fatalities. Yeah, the, it's um, qualified on uh, Wikipedia as just, Westernmost involving fatalities, where like there was run-ins, but like somebody died. Yeah, this is this that one. scene from The Office, by the way, where uh, oh man, I can't think of who's debating this, but like get it's like somebody debating like if it's Gettysburg or, or Dwight's like no, it's the Battle of Shrew Farms. It was like the bloodiest <laughs> battle of the Civil War, and he's like it wasn't that. And then it turns out Shrew Farms is like a safe haven for like musicians and actors and artists. And Dwight's, do you remember this? No, uh, it's vaguely. fine. It's the Gettysburg episode. It's very funny. Okay. Point is, point I don't know what the is, point is, I guess. Bonehouse. Yeah. H-A-U-S. Uh, correction, not 8%, 7.5%. This is a different batch than the one that was listed on Untapped. All right. Okay. Wow. Ball's rolling. Here we are. It's a very um, it's a very orange to red looking IPA. It looks pretty malt heavy. If you, I don't know if you can even always tell that by the appearance, but mm -hmm. um, it looks hefty. There's quite a bit of lacing around my glass, at least, um, and still a little bit of active carbonation coming from the bottom. Um, looks like a dusty sunset, if you ask me. There's my catchphrase. What do you think? <laughs> if you ask me. I don't know why I'm saying that so often. Um, yeah, this is a a, a very big kind of in-your-face beer. There's you love a, that. There's a lot of bold flavors happening here, and I don't think all of them are stellar. Here's what I'm smelling. Grapefruit. Um, some funky kind of tang. Not unlike a, a gym sock in a good way, kind of. Which is the thing? Elaborate. Well, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you know, when you leave the gym, or you've just been trudging around, your, and you kick off your boots after a long day, and then you you pull off your sock, and you, oh, that's a little moist, and you wring it out, and all that sweat comes out, and you think, boy, have I had a productive day. That's a little bit. So in a good way, it's kind of what this <laughs> smells like. You get it. it. Smells like good gym. You're socks. kicking off your boots after a battle in the Civil War. Oh, that's got to smell gangrenous. Yeah, in a good way. Okay. I haven't tried it yet. If you ask me. I like it. Yeah? I do. A okay. little. Yeah, I like it a little. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just I don't normally drink Imperial IPAs. Yes, you do. I mean. I what drink, are you talking about? I like double IPAs. That's the same thing, man. Yeah. I don't know how many times I got to do this. Imperial and double are the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the distinguishing thing is that sometimes like an East Coast IPA won't call itself an Imperial IPA. It'll, I think that language often skews towards double rather than Imperial. I'm not sure why that is. It's not a. It's not an official thing. This feels very traditionally made in yeah. that it's got a big old malt backbone, mm -hmm. punchy, almost wet envelope hops, like yeah. licked envelope. Totally. But, you know, Jim Sock, not in a bad way, right? In a good way, even. <laughs> I, I really, you know. So I, you like the way Jim Sock smell? I don't like the way a gym sock smells, but I like what it represents. But you and think they can smell in a good way. I think they can. I think that there's a smell that can come off of a beer. We're who, talking about socks. Whose closest relative is to perhaps a moist piece of gym clothing or a little bit of wet cardboard or vacuum bag. There's this weird little nebulous area in my brain that is reserved for these strange descriptors that I genuinely do feel good um, feelings towards, like the but way, sound objectively disgusting. And I know that about myself. Like the way dog's feet smell. I've never smelled a dog's foot. What? Talking and about I, gym socks and enjoying it? Yeah, I don't take my dog to the gym. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, I've never smelled a dog's foot. They but smell so nice. They smell like corn chips. That's weird to me. 
But again, fine. Yeah. Point is. I thought we were having secret time about things that smell good. Depends what you define a secret as. I don't know if I'd call a secret showing to, you know, thousands of people, but maybe. There's nobody here listening. It's just you and me. Sick of that joke. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> okay. Do you like this beer or not? Um, I like it. I don't love it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm going to have another drink. Yeah. It just falls a bit heavy on the malt for me, but I mean, it, it feels like a, a recipe that's kind of yeah, holding on to tradition and, um, you know, like old school, this, this strikes me as an old school West Coast double IPA. Yeah, totally does. Which it has that that malty, kind of damp flavor. Yeah, you know, yeah, musty. That's like that's it's it's a, musty. Okay, it's a bit a gym musty. sock is musty. That's all yeah. I mean. Okay, <laughs> and there's a little bit of like Why a little so bit defensive? of because it's a weird thing to say, and I'm aware of that. It's 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 got a tang to it, which is it's like it got a sharpness to that must, you mm-hmm. know. So it's not quite the the muted sort of flavor that or and body that you would often associate with something like saying wet cardboard. Yeah. Um, also, objectively, wet cardboard is established in the beer community as like a very bad off flavor. Yeah. So I don't want I don't want to say it's like that. So I guess I went with gym sock, but I think musty is um, a more a more reverent way to say that. Yeah, it's got a musty, earthy, little tiny vegetal. Yeah. With maybe like some oniony, sharp, pointy sure. flavor notes. Yeah. Um, but still very traditionally made like West Coast double IPA, Imperial mm-hmm. IPA. Um, I don't love it because I don't gravitate towards this style anymore, but. I wouldn't say it's a bad beer. No, where it's missing the mark objectively for me is the carbonation. I think that it's a little bit flat for the amount of heft that I'm getting on the sweetness. It's flat and thick. Yeah, and it turns into almost a nectar or syrupy kind of experience, which I I think with something this big, you kind of have to counterbalance with some effervescence, and it just doesn't have that. And it's not so egregious that it's like a flat beer or anything like that, but it's it's not got enough pizzazz on the carbonation front to, to back up all of this heft. No, I'm not saying that. Great. All right. Well, take your socks off and give me a rating. All right. I'm taking one final sip, but I think I have my number. I'm keeping my socks on, by the way, because as I say, if this beer were lacking that flavor, I might take off my socks, but it's All it's right. not. What a, do you have your rating at the ready? I feel like this is um this is gonna be uh for me, this is like a five two. It really has it's leaning too much into that wet cardboard and I don't know if it is off flavors, but it is mm-hmm. giving me indications of that. And that that takes the score down a bit for me. Yeah, there's no canning date on this, sadly. It doesn't strike me as particularly super fresh necessarily. Um, and by that I guess I mean I don't think it's probably within two months. I don't think it's with I don't think it's outside of four. I think yeah. it's probably right on the edge of where we'd probably typically enjoy it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a six. I think it's pretty I think it's above average. I enjoy most of the flavors I'm getting. I just wish there was a little bit more pizzazz. I'd like to get a fresh can too. I would too. Um, or I'd at least like to know when this one was canned. Maybe we can reach out to the brewery and be like, when's the last time you made a batch of this? It reminds me a lot in mouthfeel, flavor profile, overall everything mm-hmm. of uh, Two Hearted. I was just going to say that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, totally, man. And it, it it harkens to that rather old school flavor profile and, and stylistically in general, a, a classic quote unquote West Coast mm-hmm. IPA. Yeah. Which, yeah, you know, is still kind of hanging on in, a, in an ever-changing modern beer market. So props to them. That's it, man. Okay, that's <clears throat> Pacacho Pass, Bonehouse Brewing, 5.2 Johnny Summers, 6 Max Minardi. Let's move along into Hot and Bothered if you are ready. Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. Let's get into it. Uh, it's part of the show where we talk about our weeks, what's got us hot and or bothered. Johnny Summers. 
Infinite Finite is the first beer that I consumed from my case of beer that was delivered from Highland Park Brewing. Oh, cool. Uh, the only membership that I have, the only beer that I buy, unless it's a random like West Coast IPA or Bush Light for the house, um, I am all in on their stouts. I love what they're doing. Big, big fan. It's well documented of Highland Park Brewing. Uh, but if you pull up Infinite Finite from Highland Park Brewing, it's a really cool beer in that it's a non-adjunct barrel-aged stout. Mm-hmm. And it's also actually a blend of three different barrel-aged stouts that they aged in different barrels. Who else does that? Oh, is it Deschutes? Um, with, uh, with, uh, Jubilate? No. Um, no, they're um, like Abyss. It's like they're Abyss. Yeah, yeah. Is it Abyss, Abyss or is, is it... Um, no, Abyss has done that as well yeah, okay. as... Um, I think 5050's done that. I mean, it's not uncommon yeah, right. like to blend barrels, but they pulled this off so well because... I loved it, man. Zero adjuncts, beer-flavored beer, mm. tons of barrel, tons of whiskey notes, 14.4%. Uh, and I would love to shout out the whiskeys that the barrels are aged in if you have that. Oh, you actually wanted me to pull it up? Yeah. I thought you were being hypothetical. If, if one were to pull it up. Uh, no. Okay, sorry. Uh, you're good. Uh, but anyways, I got a whole case of beer from them, and I am super stoked to be opening them with friends, strangers, whatever, when I feel like it. Um, yeah, wait, is, it, is, it, is it a case 12 or is it 24? Yeah, it's a 12. Okay. 12 shipper of like 375s or 550s. I can't remember what size the bottle. I think they're 550s. Okay. It, it doesn't super matter, but super stoked on that. That came last week after we recorded, and I haven't had a lot going on other than getting that, and I took this weekend completely off uh, and rested. I slept until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I have been watching Better Call Saul like it's my job. Oh, nice. All right. How's that been? I'm almost done with it. Good for you, man. We're looking at five and a half seasons of a show so far mm-hmm. in a week and a half. Did you watch Minuscule Valley of the Lost Dance? Nope. Come on. I man. haven't watched anything else. Just, all, right. all my weekly shows, I'm like letting go. They're piling up. They're back all there. Right. I still haven't watched this week's episode of House of the Dragon. I haven't either, actually. But little teaser for Patreon. When we do our recap of that show and our thoughts, I found at Craft in Reno uh, a four-pack of a non-alcoholic beer that is themed around the new series. Can I put fucking booze in it? No. Maybe this, we got four of them, so maybe we'll do the first two normal and yeah. then kind of... Second two with a shot of whiskey. Yeah, or a shot of cold brew coffee. They're not that kind of beer. It'd be gross. Yeah. Uh, There's th- some other Game of Thrones beer out there, too. Their Omegong does a lot, and they're gross. Yeah. No, they're like a new one, though. Oh, really? So maybe it's better. Is it from Omegong? Because I don't think it will I'll be. look into it. Woodford Reserve, Heaven Hill, um, Willet, and Weller. Nice. Those are your four whiskeys in that beer. Fantastic beer. Yeah, dude. So maybe if you catch me at the right night, be at Burgers and Brew cracking one. I'm of sorry. Those was open. it a, was it a, was it a case of that beer? No. Oh, okay. It's yeah. a, a mixed case of all my member beers. I get certain beers. I get two. Certain beers. I get three for, with my allotment. How and many then, of that do you have? Uh, one more. Okay. Super stoked. You know, we turned six, right? Yeah. Great. I'd like to try that. Okay. Great. Done. Uh, all right. Well, but sweet yeah, man. I got like two bottles of a sour and a bunch of different stuff, but I mean, it's all stouts with the two bottles of sour. Yeah. Okay. Great. So yeah, I'm super stoked. I played, so I, again, I mentioned this, um, I believe at the top of the show in our, in our little Patreon bit, but, um, beginning last Thursday, which was the 15th, I played, uh, every night, sometimes multiple times a night, uh, from the 15th to 24th, which is nine days. And I played like 13 shows. And one of the highlights of all those shows, all the shows I played, was going down to St. Mary's with my friend and drummer Rob and playing for their seventh annual music on the lawn. Uh, we got to play for a bunch of people, played a bunch of originals, played a bunch of covers. 
uh, rented a whole bunch of sound gear to take down. So we got a U-Haul trailer and hauled like a, we got a dual 18 inch subwoofer, which is literally, um, that's a lot of five and a half feet tall and like probably weigh like 300 pounds, um, rented some extra speakers. So we put on like a big thing and it was great. It was super fun. Uh, turned into a really long day because we had a wedding the next day that we played with myself, Rob, and then our friend Ethan who plays bass. Um, Hopefully, it was geographically somewhat close. The wedding was in Megalia. Oh no! So we, so the Not close St. Mary's is in Moraga, which is like Walnut Creek. Mm-hmm. So we got home that night. Rob was a champ. He was driving his truck to tow the to U-Haul the trailer, and we got home at like one thirty in the morning, kind of delirious, just alive on Red Bull and adrenaline. Um, and then the Gas wedding, hot dogs. Yeah, dude. We'd actually eat. No, that can't be right. Must yeah. eat something. Yeah. Oh, we had Taco Bell. Nice. We had those. They have these like new burritos that are wrapped in a quesadilla. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. But great. Yeah. The Taco Bell disgusting. Yeah. Um, and then had the wedding the next day. So we sat set up early, left, and then came back because we were just playing the reception. So did a whole bunch of dance music. Um, shout out to Chris Gomez. He was there. Oh wow. Uh, with Alexis. So they were dancing some of our tunes. I don't think Chris has really seen me play a show where it's um, more like upbeat and dancey with um, not a, quite a full band, but a trio. Mm. So that was cool. Nice. Um, and then did nothing on Sunday. Hell yeah. Literally nothing. He, Rob and I just watched New Girl. Sick. All day. That's He's right. never seen it, so we watched like the full uh, first season. And then I haven't something. either. It's really good. It's really great. I'll watch it for Zoe. She's. I'll believe you once you watch Minuscule Valley of the Lost Dance. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. I'm not suggesting anything to you. Anyway, well, so I guess that's my bothered. That's why it's a list of future broken promises. Yeah. My very last hot is that it's our anniversary. Uh, at the time of this recording, it's tomorrow. So we're you and I are going to do something fun. Six yeah. years, man. That's wild. We're going to go out for a beer. That sounds really nice. Uh, long time. It has. Yeah. Maybe we'll release an old episode, like an old episode. No, Ep- probably not. They're bad. Some of them are bad. Episode one. But one's terrible. Yeah. Maybe like we could find one that's not good, but not horrible. You should do whatever you want. I was going to say, you should yeah. go back and listen and release the one that like is first when you think we sound good. But it's that's a, like a massive project and I don't care that much. It's 38. 38 is where we started to sound okay. Well, shit. I yeah. feel like you already have the answer. I do. Release episode yeah. 38. Yeah, it's just so like, what's, the, you don't care about 38, you know? I think it was our coverage of a ghost story, actually. Um, It's right when we started introducing the danger zone, too. Or God, that might have been around it. 50. I, I can't remember. That. The danger zone was always here. You just put name to it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. Can't okay. Wrangle, can't wrangle this wild Mustang. Fair enough. Do you have anything else? Uh, Are we going to do... A movie next week? Are we going to do a movie? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Which one? I don't know. All right. I still want to do Pearl. I'm putting... Oh, yeah. Um, keep throwing I do, I do like Pearl. Yeah. I, I don't like it. I haven't seen it, but yeah. um, I like the concept of covering that. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. I can't pick every movie that's a horror movie in Halloween. I'm going to want to. No, there, there's a, Yeah, there's a bunch coming around. I'm. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to... Can we do this now? Do you want to watch the new Halloween? Yeah, but I don't think we should cover it. I don't think so either. Uh, that'd be a good time to bring back Flick Picks for a minute. Because mm-hmm. I'd love to hear you talk about it, but totally. I, I really don't think it's going to be good. I don't care about it. I oh. just think it's going to be trash. Uh, do you want to cover Smile? No, but I want to see it. Okay. And I do, I also want to see, is it called The Nun? No. No. Are you sure? It's like no. Mother or something. Something with Mother. No, it's called Let Me In. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But no. It's a, yeah. That's oh, so not original. There's been like three horror movies called Let Me There's In. There's been Let the Right One In. Yeah. Or is that even a horror movie? Yeah. It was about a little kid that was a vampire. It's fucking rad. All right. Um... I think it's called Let Me In. Okay. Double check, though. So there's some good movies coming out. Oh, wait. I'm actually... Am I mixed? She, that's the one with the nun, right? She becomes a nun, but her mother was possessed by a demon. Like, the demon's trying to be like, let me no, in. No, Let Me In was a 2010 romantic horror film. Romantic horror film? That's what it says. That's awesome. Chloe, Chloe Grace Moritz. I can't think of that movie at all. You don't need to. It looks terrible. 
Um, so what are you going to look at? 2023. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We're going to get into some We can't movies. cover all the horror movies, I guess, is the point. No, but I'm going to watch them all. Are you really? Well, I'll believe that once you've watched Valley of the Lost Dance. <laughs> minuscule. Yeah, minuscule. Um, okay, we'll figure something out. If, if anybody has a particular vote. Yeah, that's what? what we should do for our anniversary. You just come over, I'll open a nice-ass beer, and we'll watch Minuscule. It's so... I've seen it three times. Jesus. No, I don't need to watch that Where again. is it? Amazon. Listen to any... We've you talked should, about this like six you, times, Did man. you buy it on Voodoo yet? Or is it free on it's Amazon? It's free on Amazon. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah, it's like right. 65 minutes long. All right, as soon as How I How long finish, is an episode of Better Call Saul? 45. <laughs> just... It's 20 extra minutes, man. And it's going to make that. you feel so happy. But Better Call Saul makes me happy, too. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Stress happy. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's at the top of my queue. We'll see. <laughs> I just don't believe you anymore. I wouldn't either. Okay. Well, you got anything else for real this time? Uh, stoked for next week, whatever it may bring. It's always an adventure. Uh, we're as happy to figure it out as you are to listen. That's wonderful. Okay. As usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our friends and family and other folks on Patreon. Um, including Ken. Including Ken. And once again, thanks for the beers, man. Um, thanks to all of you that have been supporting us this whole time. It's been a long time doing this thing. And we dig it still. That's or at the right. very least, don't hate each other. So that's it's it. a win. That's it. Um, shout out to the handlebar. Great happy hour. And I think that's all of the end of show housekeeping I have. So my name's Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. Watch some cool stuff. Listen to a couple guys for six years. Have a really good time every week. Sure. And most importantly, be good to each other. See you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.